Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. Perfect. 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Red Cup Auburn Podcast. My name is Noble. As always, I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. And today we're kind of going to be just giving an overview of just how the transfer portal is affecting Auburn basketball. It's been, you know, kind of ravaging through college basketball as a whole. Justin Powell, Auburn, you know, an Auburn combo guard entered the portal about two months ago. Jamal Johnson and Javon Franklin entered a couple weeks back. Uh, We're just going to kind of talk about those three guys and then what potential targets Auburn has coming in. So, Wheeler, what were your initial thoughts about the uh, the Auburn guys? Uh, jumping ship well I think with the one there's one guy that really made sense to me um Javon Franklin he was not getting a ton of minutes and honestly this is probably the least talented Auburn team that Bruce has had in a little while um and hopefully is the least talented that we see for a couple of years um and Javon still did not get meaningful minutes um so I think it was just a situation of his talent was not going to get him the minutes that he wanted at Auburn, and he would rather be somewhere else and playing than at Auburn riding the bench. Um, and for that, I mean, I can't blame him. Uh, best of luck to him. You know, that one really made sense. Um, the Jamal Johnson and Justin Powell one made zero sense whatsoever, um, especially Jamal. Uh, Jamal was getting a lot of playing time. He didn't have an injury. Um, you know, and then his option, I mean, he ended up at UAB and I mean, nothing against UAB, but it's like, who wants to go and play in conference USA at UAB and maybe get on TV one time. Maybe you get to play in the NCAA tournament if you win conference USA, um, or you could play at Auburn where you're in the battle for Atlantis. You know, you're pretty much going to make the NCAA tournament next year, um, you're going to compete for SEC championships and play on national TV, you know, every week. I It made no sense to me why he wanted to do that. Um, unless I, I really can't even speculate as to why he did that, but he does have the track record of leaving Memphis and coming to Auburn. Um, so maybe he just wanted to change the scenery. I really don't know. Um, so that one didn't make sense. And then the Justin Powell situation, I mean, what a weird situation that he's out for, three months with a concussion then he decides that he's going to transfer and then you know there's two stories going around you've got the story kind of on social media side talking about oh he was in a bar fight and that's what caused you know brain injury and it's like uh, that doesn't really seem like the truth but seems like a fun story that people want to pass around on social media and then you have Auburn reporters. I think Philip Marshall uh, or somebody for 24-7 was saying that – I think it was Mark Murphy. Okay, yeah. Mark Murphy of 24-7 uh, 
said that Bruce was in his office and Justin's dad came down and said, hey, Justin's transferring. Don't talk to him. We're out. And it's like, okay, well, that's weird. But then you look at his track record and similar to Jamal, he transferred every single year of high school. So are we really that surprised that he transferred um, out of Auburn? And unlike Jamal, who's going to UAB, I mean, Justin Powell's going to probably go to an equal or better position, you know? Um, So that one, at least like, at least if you're dissatisfied, it makes sense if you can stay on the same level and like have the same external factors like that. But Jamal, I, I really don't understand. Yeah. Uh, to build on what you said with the whole Javon Franklin situation, you know, like he kind of realized that it wasn't going to get better. Like this was the most he was going to get at Auburn. And I think Jamal kind of had the same, it was kind of the same story, but to a more, just a little bit bigger. So instead of, you know, getting a couple minutes every game, he was starting some games. I mean, he started 13 games, averaged 26 minutes. He averaged nine points. So it's kind of like he was a guy that could start on a lesser team with, that was just rattled with injuries. But it's just like next year, he's not going to – he's going to be a guy. He wouldn't start a single game. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, if Jamal's starting games next year, it would have been it would have been a bit of an issue. But you've got him, and it's like he was going to be a piece off the bench, and it wouldn't have been a bad piece. It would have been a veteran presence. It would have been a guy who can can you know catch fire, or whatever. But I think he just kind of realized that it was the most he was ever going to get at Auburn. I guess he just wants to be the guy. I mean, that's that's the only thing that made sense to me. Like for him leaving to go to a school like UAB is that he wants to be the guy just for that one year for the people that come to UAB games. Cause it's not going to be the people that watch them on TV because UAB is not going to be on TV a whole lot. And but regardless, I, he may have realized he's not playing in the NBA. I mean, that's yeah, just, exactly. That's a fact. He may end up overseas if he has a super successful senior year. So he may think this may be the end of my basketball career. I don't want to spend it coming off the bench for five minutes a game at Auburn to maybe, you know, catch fire, make a spark with the three. Which, that makes sense a little bit. But also, I could see him playing overseas. I mean, goodness. Yeah. Marshall Henderson did. Granted, yeah. it's Iraq. Probably don't yeah. want to go there. I mean, what I've, what I've learned is that if you play at a good basketball, in a good basketball program, you can go overseas and play basketball. I mean, you look at guys that played in the Tony Barbie era that went overseas and are stars. So, it's like – if you're playing under Bruce, you can go overseas and, you know, be a really good basketball player somewhere. But regardless, that's kind of that's kind of where the the Auburn transfers sit. You know, we mentioned uh, Jamal's going to UAB. Justin and Javon are still, you know, sifting through all of the all the interested parties and kind of making a decision. But so with that, the the transfer portal this year is the biggest that it's ever been. Mainly because of the rule that you're not that you get one free transfer. You don't have to sit out a year, and you know you 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 want out, you get out, you pick where you want to go, and you're playing the next year. So a lot of people are going out. So either before we kind of talk about some of the guys Auburn's looking at, what are your thoughts about the transfer portal as a whole, and are you for it? Are you against it? Are you kind of in the middle? Like what are what are you thinking with uh, with that? I think that I'm somewhere in the middle where I think the old transfer rule was a bit restrictive in the fact that I think that there should be one exemption 
to what the old transfer rule was. And I think it should be if your coach gets fired, then you're allowed to transfer for free with no penalty because that, I mean, that's kind of what the argument is all the time is, you know, we commit and I know that everybody says commit to a school, not to a coach, but you're spending a lot of time with the coach. And so like, it's impossible to only commit to a school and not to the coach. Um, And it really is unfair if you commit to a school and you think, okay, I'm going to be spending, you know, my entire life outside of class with this guy. And then they fire him. It's like, okay, well, that's not fair because I may not like this new guy. Um, And I mean, like this year in football, that would have been tough for Auburn football, but also the new coach can come in and recruit, you know, the players that are on the roster and say, you know, you want to stay here. And I think that's the fairest thing. Um, I think it would also make universities think, you know, a couple times about whether or not they want to fire their coach. Um, so I think, I think that would be the only change that I would have to the rule. I do not like this. Just no reason you can just transfer for free one time because you make a mistake of where you want to go or you're not playing enough. Because I, I think it's going to be bad for the game long term uh, because you're not going to get those guys that are in your program for two and three years. You know, they're going to, oh, I didn't play. Even if they were going to play the next year, they're so mad at the coach that they transfer out, you know. And mm-hmm. so you're going to start seeing a lower quality of play, especially in these uh the non-one-and-done type schools. So right now we're seeing kind of in the NCAA tournament, that experiences winning and it's going to be really tough to have that kind of model of having experience. It's going to be a lot of like what Kentucky normally is where let's get the best team we can get for one year and have sloppy, ugly games. And then maybe by tournament time, we can play some good clean basketball. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the current transfer portal, not to mention it's such a mess to keep up with. And I feel like it also, puts guys that are in high school at such a disadvantage because if your coach, you know, like Auburn right now, I mean, we're going to talk about five or six, seven guys potentially coming for the transfer portal. Do you know how difficult it is for high schoolers who already, you know, can't usually get a straight answer out of a coach unless they're a five-star about whether their spots or not. And now it's like, okay, well, like we want to offer you, but we got to see how the transfer portal goes. Oh, we got to see, oh, reclassifying. I think it just makes it such a mess for everybody involved that a lot of people are going to end up in bad spots anyway. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And kind of building off, you know, kind of building off what you said earlier with the – so when when you were talking about the, uh, the transfer portal with the coaches, the first thing that came to my mind, obviously, when Auburn fired Gus Malzahn, and you saw our recruiting class took a hit. There were some guys that were in it that said, look, I'm, I'm out, I'm going somewhere else. There were some guys that said, I'm going to stay. And I think that this year especially was the hardest year to be a recruit of a team that fired their coach because a lot of those guys didn't come on the campus because of the COVID stuff, you're not allowed there. Like you weren't allowed to visit and everything. So a ton, a ton of your recruitment was based on the coach. And it wasn't as much like you couldn't go on an official visit. You couldn't, you couldn't do that. Like, you could show up to the campus, but like, that's not the same as getting an official visit from, you know, people that get paid to do that. So it's just like, I think that that's a big thing with how the, the players can interact with the coach and all that. But Going, going to the basketball side of it, it's just 
a lot of it is just a lot of these players, they get there and they just – it doesn't work out and then they just jump ship. And it's just like I think that that's, that's not what it was meant to be. Like when they, when they came up with the whole transfer portal, I don't think that they were thinking of the people of the, like the Javon Quinterlies. They go to Villanova, five-star. They don't play. They just jump ship. Uh, the Namari Namari Burnett's like I don't think that's what their what their uh, intention was doing it, but it's it's what's going to happen. It's going to be the majority of what it is. So that's what the reality is now. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of like you. I don't I don't really know how I feel about it, but I don't like the mindset that oh I'm not playing instead of staying here to work hard and get in the rotation. You're just going to leave. So. Yeah. Uh, but with all that being said, this is how it is. And Auburn is looking at a couple guys that, you know, played their first couple years, you know, whatever. And then they're, they're going somewhere else. So the first one is not a transfer portal guy, but it's a, or it kind of, it's a grad transfer. Noah Gurley from Furman, 6'8, 210 pound forward, average 15 and six, uh, great defender. Wheeler, what what are your kind of what are you kind of thinking about Noah Gurley? Okay, so first off, this is the kind of transfer that I'm really excited. So I know people like these young transfers who they think, oh, they'll be in the program for a few years. But I think as we just said and we've seen this year, you don't need to plan. If a guy's transferring into your school, he's likely to transfer out of your school. Um, so I don't even think you need to focus on keeping a transfer for two, three, four years. Um so this is the kind of transfer that really gets me excited. Um, grad transfer coming from a lower major. So that tells me guy was balling out in this lower major because he's got big time offers from, you know, power five schools. Um, he didn't leave his guys. He didn't leave his team. He stayed with where he was and he worked as hard as he could to play as well as he could where he was. Um had really good, I mean, 15 points a game, six rebounds, one block, one steal. Um, shoots 34% from three. Um, I, I mean, I think that's a good pickup, in my opinion. You're getting a good veteran guy, and even though he hasn't been inside of Auburn's program for four years, you get around tournament time, and the way that a guy who's played four years of college basketball already is thinking about this moment versus the guy who was playing in an AAU tournament last year, is totally different. You know, he's been in that college atmosphere against, even though the talent's not the exact same, the size is probably closer. You know, the guys that he's playing in college, the game is much more of a physical game than you would see in an AAU. Um, so, no, this really – I'm really high on uh, Noah, and I hope that we're able to get him. Yeah, I'm, I feel the same way, and it kind of reminds me – uh, when you were talking about the grad transfer, you know, Ronnie Johnson, he was a guy that was a grad transfer to Auburn the year before we won. I believe it was the year before we won the SEC regular season. And so he, he came in and he didn't start. I, I think he may have started one or two games, but it was like he wasn't – he didn't come to be a starter. He came and it was Jared and Bryce, and he could tell that he could – you know, show his experience because he had played a lot of years in college basketball and Jared and Bryce were both better than him. That That's just how it was. But he had more experience. He had played against better, you know, better people. And he was a big, I think he was a big part of kind of their development from uh, their, I guess that was their, I think that was Jared's freshman year, maybe. 
Was it Jared's? It may have been a. Yeah, I think it was Jared's freshman year. Okay, yeah. I don't know, but it was kind of it. It helped them kind of grow into the players that they were because they could have that guy coming in that knew what was going on. He knew the game and he could tell them what it was going to be like on the bigger stage because they hadn't played in the tournament. And he, you know, he could kind of he could kind of guide them into that. And so I think that was a very valuable piece that nobody really thinks about is that the grad transfers coming in can a lot of the time be more helpful than a young stud coming in. Uh, so next up on the list, you've got Wendell Green from Eastern Kentucky. He is a 5'11", 170-pound guard, averaged 16 points and five assists per game and shot 36% from three. Uh, this is kind of a – it's kind of the one of the main positions that Auburn is kind of looking for in these transfer portal guys is the guard. And I think a lot of that, you know, you've had – Powell and Jamal transfer. Sharif, I think he's going to go to the NBA. If he doesn't, he'll at least test the waters for sure. So there's a chance that we could lose three guards and we've only got one, you know, coming in from high school as of right now. So it's like you kind of got to find someone to fill that. You've got Zepp Jasper, but he's still kind of still kind of looking for some more people. So I think it's interesting just to note real quick that this is a this is a a look. Like Bruce is really looking to get some some guards into the program. So, either what are your thoughts about Wendell? Yeah, I think obviously you said. I mean, Bruce is looking to get some guards, um, and I mean he shoots the three ball pretty well. And honestly, that's something that ever since Jared and Bryce left, I mean we Auburn's really struggled with. Um, Samir Dowdy, you know, towards the end of uh, his career, was able to knock down some threes, but even then, Samir was so inconsistent. It was a really, really tough sled. And, um, so I think, you know, both with Noah and with Wendell um, shooting the three ball, I think it's something that Bruce is kind of starting to look for because that is going to help uh, every part of Auburn's game because right now they have a lot of guys that can drive to the basket, make a move and finish. But it's really tough to do that if you can't shoot the three. Um now, obviously, UCLA is in the Final Four right now, and they couldn't shoot a three if it was the Pacific Ocean. Um, but, I mean, they're winning, you know, but it's a tough, grinded out, uh, and you can put together a few wins, but I think UCLA is a perfect example. They're an 11 seed because it's tough to go game in, game out, night after night, and grind it out and have the effort and energy it takes to play that style of basketball. And when you're in the NCAA tournament, you're like, oh, well, yeah, I can bring that energy. But when it's a Tuesday night, you know, in the January 18th and it's freezing cold outside and you have all your tests coming up, it's hard to go and grind it out like that. Um, So I think it's better to have the three-point game. Obviously, it's better to have both of them. But we need somebody to that can come in and knock down some shots, especially – I mean, Justin and Jamal were the two best three-point shooters last year. So. Yeah, and so you you kind of – you think about that and you, you look at kind of how our team was. Our best three-point shooter that was a starter, really, was Alan Flanagan. I mean, when it was like the guy who was – who played every game, it was like out of – if you look at the guys that started pretty much every game, you wanted Allen shooting a three before you wanted a guy like JT or a guy like Devin or, God forbid, Dylan Cardwell 
I mean, he got lucky with that one, but you don't really want bank Dylan. Is open. To, yeah, I mean, you really don't want Dylan to be your main three-point shooter. So, I mean, Alan Flanagan was our best, and he shot 34%. That's not a great percentage for the number one guy, but you look, Malik Dunbar in the, you know, the final four year, he averaged, I mean, it was close. It was like 33 or 34%, and he was a really good guy because he was the fourth guy, the fourth or the fifth guy in some lineups to shoot a three. You had elite three-point shooters in Jared, Bryce, and Chuma, and it was like you had a 34% guy that could just, you know, he could pull up too. And it's really just that's kind of what we're trying to get back to is we're trying to get guards that can consistently make threes so that our forwards that shoot the three well, but they, they're, they're forwards. They're not, they're not really – they're not three-point shooters. So yeah. I think that – that's kind of just a thing that Bruce is really looking for is just to have guards that can consistently knock the knock the three ball down. Uh, and then next up on the list, we mentioned him a little bit earlier, and this is something that is just something to mention, really. Namari Burnett, he was a high four-star. I think he was the 33rd player overall in the 2020 class, McDonald's All-American. He entered the tra- he entered the transfer portal during the season after he was not doing well at Texas Tech, and so he enters the transfer portal. And at the end of the season, he added Auburn to the list of his teams that he was thinking about, and it was pretty much his his final six in high school. With and he essentially just replaced Texas Tech with Auburn. So that's just kind of something to mention. He's going to make his decision April eighth. Uh, but Weather, what are your thoughts about Namari? Uh, obviously, he was very talented in high school. Um, but kind of going back to what I said earlier, this kind of transfer really scares me a lot. You know, somebody that was really talented in high school gets to college and then something weird just happens where, you know, he doesn't play, he doesn't play well. I'm like, did he do something to get into the doghouse with the coach and that's why he didn't have the numbers or did he get to college and he wasn't, you know, and they just missed it on the scouting report. Um, I don't know though. At some point though, I do trust that Bruce would not go and get somebody that wasn't going to be good for the team. Um, especially with looking at all these transfers, you know, if he didn't think that the guy had a high likelihood of, you know, coming in and being a major contributor, um, he probably wouldn't be offering him, but uh, I don't know. That's just a weird situation to go from a McDonald's All-American to enter in the transfer portal in the middle of the season. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that he is he's the kind of guy where it's like, you know, if Bruce really wants him, like trust him, Bruce, whatever. But it's like I think there, there are a couple guys that I personally would rather have over, over Burnett, and that kind of goes in to and our – And Bruce next. also brought in Kareem Canty, which, I mean – yeah. That's true. Is it this a Kareem Canty situation where the dude can just absolutely ball, but he is not the kind of guy you want in your locker room? Or is it the opposite? He's a great guy to have in the locker room, but now that he is he Jeremy Johnson, you know, like mm-hmm. great at high school, great person, but not great at their sport anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's just something that we'll we'll just have to, you know, only time will tell on that one. Uh, but going into the next name on the list, you've got Xavier Pinson uh, from Missouri, 6'2", 170-pound guard, averaged 14 points per game this season, shot 34% from three, but he was a real – I mean, he he was a good scorer. He he was essentially 
I don't want to say that he was similar to Devin Cambridge in Devin's freshman year because, you know, Devin would have the games where it was like, you know, he was kind of an either – he's either scoring 25 or he's scoring two. It was like there was no in-between. With Pinson, there is an in-between. You know, he – I mean, he had – he had a really interesting uh, – kind of a funny stretch of games to me. He had 14 points against Kentucky in a win. He had 36 points against TCU in a win. He had seven points against Auburn in a loss, and then he had 27 against Tennessee in a win, and then two points against South Carolina. So it's like he's he's the kind of guy where it's like he can score single digits and not have a great shooting performance, but when he's when he's on, he's on, and he's going to be putting up points, and he's just a really good scorer. Uh, he's the kind of guy where it's like he's the kind of guy where you can just get a bucket. You know, you need someone to score a point, he can get that for you. Uh, the interesting thing with him, Auburn was one of the first teams to contact Pinson, and his brother retweeted a tweet talk saying, I, I'm pretty sure it was saying like essentially that, that Auburn was, a, Auburn had offered whatever. And his brother retweeted it and said, this is my choice. So I think that's just kind of something to, something to look at is that, you know, at least his brother, but it's like his family is kind of like in the, how Auburn does and all that. So that's just a na- another name to watch. But either, what are your thoughts about uh, Pinson? I think I would really like to have Pinson. Um, he is – he's just a good basketball player. Not a great basketball player. Um, you know, he reminds me not at all stylistically of Malik Dunbar, but just like efficiency-wise yeah. of Malik Dunbar. Um He's obviously much smaller, so maybe that wasn't a good comparison. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he can go out there and he can score for you, but you also do not want this guy to be your, like, the guy who's on the court and you're like, oh, we got to have a bucket. Let's give Xavier the ball. You know, like, your season's in trouble if that's your situation. Um, I don't know. I feel like he was almost to be more stylistically. He was the Missouri version of Jamal Johnson this year. I mean – just about he may have played a little bit more he scored a little bit more per game but like it was kind of the same type of deal of he's a little bit taller than Jamal so I bet he can score at the rack a little bit better but that kind of thing of like really solid experienced guy um would love to have him on the team but I'm not gonna say oh we got Xavier Pinson making the final four oh we didn't get Xavier Pinson we out in the first round you know like yeah so yeah. That's my thought. It's not that it's not it's not as big of a swing as some some other transfers. Yeah, he'd be great a great addition to add for sure, but it's not gonna make or break Auburn season whether we get this guy. Yeah. Uh so two more names just to kind of look at. And these names, you know, all the other names on the on this list, Auburn has there's mutual interest. Auburn's looked for this guy, this guy's looked for Auburn. These two are names that are more just looking at them in high school. You've got Walker Kessler and Jamin Brakefield. And the two of them, Auburn finished second in both of their recruitments. Kessler goes to uh, North Carolina. Brakefield goes to Duke. Brakefield was a guy that a lot of people were like, oh, he's going to Auburn. He's going to Auburn. He's going to Auburn. Then Duke offered. And like a week later, it was like he commits to Duke. So it was that, it was that kind of deal. But neither one of them really got the minutes. It was – they they both played they both played well when they were on the floor, but neither one of them got that many minutes. 
And so both of them transferred when the season ended. And something that I think is always interesting is looking at the fans' reaction to when this guy enters the transfer portal. So if you look at how our fans reacted when Justin Powell left, you could tell that he was a good player and he was somebody that Auburn really wanted to keep. You look at a guy like Namari Burnett and Texas Tech fans were like good riddance. Like they were not really, they were not really wanting it. Like they, they were fine that he left. It, it didn't, it didn't phase them at all. They still had a successful season. Kessler and Brakefield, both of their fan bases were really, they were not ha- like they were, they were distraught almost. It was like they wanted that player because they could see the talent. They performed well when they were on the floor and they thought that they could be a real, like they might not be a one and done. Like they thought they might be when they were coming in, but they were like, this guy's going to be a really solid player for us. So I think that that's just an interesting thing just to kind of look at those kind of players and just see how the different reactions are to when they enter the transfer portal. But I definitely think both of those names would be great additions to our team if, you know, Bruce's, if Bruce pursues them and if they come to Auburn. But either, what are your thoughts about those two guys? Yeah, I mean, I'm just reading here about uh, Breakfield and kind of the situation that he had. Um, and it seems like basically Duke had a couple of guys who were uh, – highly rated guys that had to wait their turn to play. And, uh, you know, Coach K, I'm sure, sold Breakfield that he was more talented than them. And it sounds like he was just as talented as they were. Um, Because when he was out on the floor, like, he had great numbers. Not great numbers. He had very solid numbers, but not enough to be like, okay, you're so much better than the older guy that we're going to have to play you. Um, and it sounds like he just got a little frustrated with the situation that, you know, he felt like he was on equal talent with the guy and wasn't getting the minutes. And I'm sure in his opinion, he thought he was better. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, I mean, Duke fans, I think were really expecting him to stay, um, and to be a guy that stays there for a few years. Um, and then same with Kessler. Um, I mean, I think it's a tough situation when, you think you're going to this blue blood to play and you realize that it was just a recruiting pitch and that Auburn was like, then you're probably watching Auburn on TV and you're like, dang, like Bruce was not just selling me a bag of goods. Like I'm, I would be playing right now. Um, so I think that might help Auburn. Um, but also I don't know if they're just going to want something that's totally new, totally different to wipe the slate clean. Um, but those are both definitely interesting names, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Both those guys are just kind of just names to watch. And then the last guy here is a high schooler, Ty uh, Ty Washington, four-star guard, ranked 30th in the 2020 class. He was committed to Creighton for a little bit of time. Uh, so he decommitted, I believe it was March 11th. It was something around that time. Uh, and then nothing really – there was no real news about his recruitment, nothing really, until yesterday when Travis Graff, who is a, you know, a Rivals guy, put in a crystal ball – or a, I think they call it a future cast uh, over there at Rivals. But he put one in for all, saying that Ty Ty Washington would come to Auburn. Uh, so I think that's just – you know, it's something to watch. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, it's not drop everything and – watch you know put post notifications on everything that he posts like we did with Jalen Green all summer but 
I think it's just it's a name to watch, and you know, it's just kind of something to monitor along with some of the other guys on this list. Yeah, always good to pick up four star talent for sure. But so that's kind of, I mean, that's really the the list of you know all of the guys that Auburn's looking for. Obviously, you know, keep up with the page. We'll post, you know, if one of these guys commits, there's any news with these people. But, yeah, so that's kind of how Auburn basketball is looking. Uh, and also expect, you know, usually a lot of, a lot of uh, players that are looking to be NBA prospects, a lot of the time they'll wait until right after the tournament ends, and then it's kind of like, everyone in college basketball that's going to be an NBA player is like testing the waters to clear them for the draft. So really right after the tournament, you know, look real close with news about Sharif. I think personally, I think Alan Flanagan will join JT and just kind of test the waters. Uh, just, you know, and really, you know, this, this was something that something that we kind of wanted to say with the, with the whole testing the waters thing, that's, that's a common thing. Like that, that's, that's, that's a really common thing in basketball. And it's really just like, why not? Cause there's no repercussion. Like there's no reason to not do it. And it's a fun thing. You get to, you know, it's a different experience. So I just think that it's something to keep in mind. Like just because someone enters the waters doesn't mean that they hate Auburn. Doesn't mean that they're trying to get out as soon as possible, but these guys have been playing basketball their whole lives and they want to play in the NBA one day. So it's just when you can get advice from someone on how you could do that or the best, the most efficient way to get there, like you're going to take it. So I think it's just something to keep in mind. I think the easiest way to think about it is say you're a student at Auburn. You're just like a non-athlete. You're a normal student and you're walking through louder and some guy comes up to you and is like, hey, we're having this job fair where you may be able to land a million-dollar job. If you come, that's great. And if you don't get it, you get to keep on coming to Auburn and do like normal students do. There is not a single person who's walking through louder. I mean, if you are, maybe you shouldn't be walking through louder because you're an idiot, okay? That's going to be like, no, I don't want to hear about this company that has, um, you know, million-dollar jobs. That's looking um, for someone to hire. Yeah. And that is exactly what these basketball players are doing. So to think that they're being disloyal, no. They're literally seeing, what do these people value me at? You know, do I have a chance to make millions of dollars with an NBA team? Who can I make connections with who can be watching me in the future? Because you're going to meet scouts at all these things. And if they kind of like what they see, they're going to keep an eye out for you. You know, when Sports Center comes on and they see, oh, Auburn beat Alabama tonight, I wonder what my guy Allen did you know like mm -hmm. so there's no reason it's not a disloyalty thing it's a good learning experience and I mean if I was a basketball player there's a hundred percent chance I'd be doing it yeah I definitely agree with that so I just you know something to keep in mind and just you know keep an eye out for that with some Auburn guys that might test the waters in the very near future but so we'll have uh we'll probably do another pod when there's a little bit more news you know it's kind of a kind of a slow period with news right now but we'll yeah and football and spring break this week but yeah. uh yeah i don't know i mean football it sounds like good reports are coming out of there um it sounds like the players really enjoy harson's style of being super detail oriented um i know a lot of people that went, were able to go to the practice the open practice the other day 
I'm more impressed with the organization that they saw. Um, and uh, I think they announced today that they're doing limited attendance at 8A. Um, mm-hmm. I think they sent an email out to season ticket holders first. Um, so hopefully those tickets will go on sale for, you know, general public um, in the next couple.